0: Welcome to this edition of Inside Michigan Business. Today we've got R.J. King, editor of D. Business Magazine and a variety of other publications, media publications as well, D. Business Daily News, Tech and Mobility News, and Detroit 500. R.J., welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. It's good Good. to have you. You know, uh, interesting times in this region. A lot of change, a lot of innovation. Interesting times. I mean, transformative kind of opportunities bubbling up and, here in the Detroit region right now, and making us very important in the world of technology as we pursue electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, and a lot of the other mobility technologies that feed into all that.
1: Right. I think what Detroit has over anybody else, uh, when you're looking at other major cities around the world, is the ability to marry software with hardware. That's a very difficult thing to do, and at scale or volume. You know, Tesla's had their share of problems. Yeah. Lots of recalls, and the... California tech companies, Microsoft, Apple might come out with a car uh, the next year or two. Google, yeah, they're just not doing it or wait to be seen. But I think that's where Metro Detroit really can uh, take advantage. Uh, they're literally in the driver's seat. You know, it's really a race to not only be a tech cluster around the world, and there's yes. seven of them. Right. So Detroit, Silicon Valley, Seoul. Tokyo, Germany, if you want, just say Germany in general, Mm -hmm. or Stuttgart, Israel, and then Shanghai. And I think Detroit, out of all of those, has long shown the ability to build hardware, you know, in the millions and millions of vehicles.
0: When you say build hardware, are you talking about manufacturing? Yes. Manufacturing, right. So, you know, we used to be rooted in manufacturing. That's what we were. And so now... You know, there's the shift toward being a technology sector as opposed to a manufacturing sector. Of course, you need both. You know, uh, you need both working hand in hand seamlessly. But that shift from being a, you know, one viewed as really a a production sector as opposed to a technology or an innovation center is, is, you know, that's kind of where the action is today and really trying to move, obviously, more toward the technology side, both for facilitation of the things that we do build and produce as well as just the impression and image and how we view the region and the companies in it in terms of valuation and everything else too, right? Driving money into the region. Right. And you have a lot of
1: testing facilities that uh, are off-road so they're safe to test for these future autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles, whether it's Ford's Tech Center in Dearborn. They're working on Michigan Central, the old train station, down at Michigan 14th in Corktown. You know, General Motors with its uh, Tech Center as well as um, Stellantis in Auburn Hills, but they also have uh, a test center in uh, Grass Lake, which is near Ann Arbor. Then you have public-private partnerships, M-City with the University of Michigan, the American Center for Innovation around Willow Run Airport in Ypsilanti Township. So the uh, suppliers themselves, um, some of them have test tracks. And then you really get down to really one of the great assets that no one else has in the world are You know, we have the largest collection of tool and dye shops in the world.
0: That's the Uh, production side of the business. Yeah, and those are your
1: tier three guys uh, that uh, really
0: are valuable
1: in terms of um, not only bringing out new product, but making sure that it, it gets to scale and the quality is there.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, but you talk about this kind of perception of tech versus production. Of course, again, they're both critically important, need to go hand in hand. If I were to ask the leadership at Tesla where do you fall in terms of business sector, industry sector? You know, they're going to call themselves a tech company, right? Sure. And that's really where you need to be today for the kinds of things you're talking about. And are the, you know, where are we in terms of the transformation of our auto companies from being manufacturing companies to being tech companies?
1: Well, I think they're on their way. They've been reducing the number of plants they have around the world. Other assets, Ford, for instance, is looking at everything and, And saying, hey, do we really need to own, you know, 45 office buildings in Metro Detroit when we can lease those and then get that off of our books? You know, and GM's the same way. Stellantis is a little different. But they're all looking to divest out of those things that they were in before to really focus on technology. And I think they're doing a pretty good job. It doesn't happen overnight. Ford just made an announcement about splitting itself in two. One side focused on electric vehicles and mobility, the other side focused on traditional, you know, right. gasoline right. engine powered right. vehicles, right. mostly SUVs and pickups and things. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're starting to see it. And I think we are positioned well moving forward. We've got uh, a chief mobility officer for the state of Michigan, Trevor Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Detroit Regional Chamber is very focused on assisting companies as they make this transition. But also, you've got to be careful as you roll out more and more electric vehicles. They have about 10% of the parts of internal combustion engine vehicles. So
0: there's that shift to consider. And there's going to be some winners and losers there. Of course, of course. Like any uh, emerging industry, there are going to be... You know, one of the big reasons that you want this focus on technology and innovation... Is that that's where the high paying jobs come from that's what helps grow region right I mean and it fosters uh, offshoot industries and company development and startups and so and all that goes together as it relates to an industry that's you know really really cool and really happening and really emerging as it relates to the future and so you know I think one of the advantages that a Tesla has whether it's on the West Coast or in Austin or wherever it may be ultimately You know, they're putting themselves right in the sweet spot of where those kinds of people are in terms of hiring the great workforce you need to lead innovation, which is a different kind of thing than the kind of workforce you typically look for in a production situation. So, you know, that's a major focus going forward for economic development. It's also a major encumbrance if you can't get it done to ultimately realizing what we want this region to be here. Sure. I think. You look at
1: Tesla, they started from scratch, as you mentioned, so of they course, don't have any no legacy issues. Yes, no right? legacy costs, right, so that's right. a huge advantage for them. That right. really sends up their value. Of course. But you look at a place like Michigan Central, which is an emerging, emerging mobility innovation district that Ford is working on, 30 acres in Corktown and just west of uh, downtown Detroit, you know, they have kept saying from day one, this is not a Ford campus this is for everybody. And the reason they're saying that is they want people to come in and say, oh, well, if you're there at Michigan Central, that means you're working for Ford and you can't work for GM or Lear or any of the others, Delantis or, you know, Ram. But I think Ford's been very careful to just say, no, it's it's really the community's campus. And uh, yes, we'll have 2,500 workers there, but also another 2,500 from Partners, suppliers, just general business, mostly tech-related, mobility-related. Tech-related doesn't have to be mobility. It could be a a healthcare solution of some type, a medical device that might emerge from there. So I think that's really a a game-changer. And I think um, when the train station does open in the first quarter of 2023, soon after you're going to see a lot of stories written about how, yep, this really is an innovation district for everybody.
0: I think it's the most important and dynamic factor in the entire equation right now. That could represent that could be the game changer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, just bringing the, the you know that startup culture that will be present there, all the different companies uh, focused on innovation and focused on making deals, ultimately with whatever product they're developing. You know, making those deals right in their backyard with the auto companies that are here. That's a really exciting thing, and that will bring the kind of people we want here: thinking, innovative, being progressive, and contributing to that future aura of a you know. Really high powered tech region that's exciting and dynamic and cool. Sure. And the other thing that we have, probably more
1: so than most regions, is we have a very dynamic university college network here that's been built up over the last hundred years, largely with support from the automotive industry and then other industries as things got uh, more diversified. But, uh, you know, that bringing in that next talent here is going to be a lot easier. The schools work very closely with business. So they're pretty much at the cutting edge of what's needed. Yeah, not only today, but you know, two, three years from now, in terms of the skill sets that are needed, they can change the curriculum quickly. So all of those things, and you know, it's just a matter of us bringing those people here. But it's a lot easier than trying to
0: go somewhere else to try to get them. For sure, and and as you say, I mean, there's the uh, the engine. If you will, to creating the kind of talent we need right here in the backyard, with a real desire to be part of it all, you know, um, coming right out of that that corridor, whether figuratively or literally, between Detroit and Ann Arbor, needs to be a real focus, and it can be a real pipeline, to feeding the kind of talent we need here in the region to becoming that tech-oriented uh, region that we want to be, that we ultimately see ourselves as now and well into the future. Let's talk about Ann Arbor for a second. I mean, there's a lot of innovation coming out of Ann Arbor. What kinds of things are you hearing about that are worth highlighting? First, Ann Arbor, we'll talk Detroit in a second, but, you know, what's emerging there that's exciting and something to keep our eyes on?
1: Well, Michigan consistently gets lots of research and development grants from the U.S. government, DARPA, those types of organizations, as well as not only the automakers, but um, aerospace, healthcare, and some of the other markets. So you see $1 to $2 billion each year in R&D going on just at Michigan alone. Not quite as much, but Michigan State University, and they've got more of a healthcare focus there, but another place that's got over a billion dollars in research going on. Wayne State is no slouch either. And then you've got so many technical schools uh, like Lawrence Technological University in Southfield. You've got these business schools like Walsh College. So it's pretty much everything's here whether it's nursing to yeah. becoming a doctor. yeah, And then Michigan was very smart, you know, three, four years ago, opening up M city, which is a simulated city to test autonomous ground and aerial vehicles. Cause eventually those two will be talking to one another as aerial vehicles, pick up ground vehicles and move them. So I think the university of Michigan has got a bright future in front of it and they just got to keep the pedal to the metal and Keep trying and reaching out and building this next wave of talent that's needed here.
0: One of the key either facilitators or impediments to progress in, in this field, depending on how you look at it and depending on how far we're marching along there toward progress, and that's the infrastructure. It's one thing to create the vehicles, whether autonomous or electric, whatever they may be, you've got to have infrastructure to support all of that, right? I mean, let's take electric vehicles first, for example. doesn't matter how far the battery can go down the road if you can't have access to it, charging stations readily, right? So, and and, you know, of course you want to optimize the batteries themselves and all the rest. And there's a lot of that going on, but to tell us about what you know in the field right now in terms of the infrastructure being built out to facilitate whatever the demand may be in the future for these vehicles.
1: Well, right now gasoline has got a very viable business model in that you pull up to a service station. There's multiple service stations everywhere and it takes you basically less than five minutes to not only pay for your gas, but get filled up and, and pull out electric vehicles. Boy, that, that's not the equation that you'd want to have right now. There, there's very limited charging stations that it can take 20, 30, 40 minutes to get a decent charge. People on the go just can't do that. So they've got to have more charging stations. They've got to improve the batteries themselves. So they provide more power over an extended period of time. The grid itself, the electric grid itself is not ready for prime time, so to speak. On a given residential block, you can't have more than three people charging their vehicles at 220 volts or it'll just, you know, nobody else will be able to have power in their home. So you've got those considerations. Now at Michigan Central, going back there, they are working on trying to build the first charged road so that as you're driving, you're You're getting charged. Now that could really make some major... That's the
0: kind of leapfrog thinking that could be the game changer right there. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And again, that gets back, you know, so cool that it's happening at Michigan Central, because that's, as we just highlighted, that's where innovation largely is going to come from, making major contributions like that and that kind of new thinking, kind of tech-first thinking, not being stuck in the legacy ways of doing things or viewing things or thinking about things, but having the freedom to think outside the box and coming up with a solution like that. That's what we need.
1: Sure. And I think one other thing that we could see more of here is business incubators, whether on college campuses or through organizations like Chambers of Commerce or companies themselves. Obviously, Startup Nation is, uh, is doing some amazing things. But I really think uh, we need to do more of that and teach students, you know, even in middle school and high school, more about what it takes to run a business, what it's all about, so that they have that experience going into college or a trade school. Or whatever they decide to do, I just think that you know middle school and high school can be a bit of an ivory tower situation. And I think we you know they pulled a lot of the motor shops and those types of things out of those high schools. I think they need to go back and put those in. And let's get those tinkerers and future engineers the things they need to charge their careers going through college and and into the business. Get them on
0: a path, get them inspired, get them focused, get them, you know, get them a foundational base of knowledge they can build from and and, uh, be inspired by and so on. I think I absolutely agree. What about funding? It's really a, you know, a key part of the entire equation. You can't have innovation really of any kind of meaningful kind. Uh, Can't get out of the laboratory at least. Certainly the grant money helps at the laboratory and research phase, but then you've got to have venture funding and other kinds of funding, whether provided by the state and other, you know, regional sources and, and and the private sector as well. Where are we in terms of, you know, funding focus on mobility here? Well, I
1: think Michigan's got a pretty solid catalog of venture capital firms and private equity firms and family funds, angel investors. Those things need to increase to bring, as you say, more money to the table to help these startups get yeah. to the next level. You know, the banks and credit unions have to look at that as well as uh, taking out of their portfolio, oh, we just do mortgages and, and that's it. Well, you know, there's a huge opportunity to make a lot of money if you invest in that right startup, which from a bank standpoint, for an example, is not a lot of
0: money to them. Well, you know, you, and, and you mentioned you can't just do mortgages. You know, it's one of the things that would really be impactful here is a really great, from start to finish, story of a that accelerating unicorn feeding. We've got some things emerging for sure, mm-hmm. but that great public facing, you know, uh, story that, that filters down into the culture here where you can think about, God, you know, I could start a company driving to, you know, driving to the same kind of outcomes that this particular, whether it be, you know, uh, uh, optimizing battery power or a flying taxi, whatever it may be, but a cool story like that would go a long way to catalyzing the community and driving real energy into it, both in terms of funding and talent and everything. And, and then, you know, building on that driving exponential innovation as well.
1: For sure. I think the thing about venture capital firms is they are risk takers more so than a bank in having, you know, 80 to a hundred plus venture capital firms, mostly in Metro Detroit, but throughout the state of Michigan, those are great assets. And, you know, just a plug for the magazine, we have uh, an incredible list right on our homepage of what's called the 2022 venture capital report. And it lists all those funders and contact information. And it actually, it has been one of the more popular areas on our website. And I think the more that we can get that information into the hands of these uh, startups, if you will, or people, you know, contemplating becoming a startup all the better, and let's face it: if you don't have a family and a network of friends that perhaps your parents know to get access to money, it's it can be very difficult. It can be very difficult. Take your idea,
0: and these are largely, you know, a lot a lot of these ideas. I'm speaking generally now. Are very cost intensive. They take capital. You've got to feed the feed the beast, right? In order to keep them going and get them get them from laboratory actually into the field as you know practical and uh, the kinds of innovation we can really apply.
1: Sure, and I think in the high school level, certainly, I think the curriculum can change and you can make up mock venture capital firms and teach these students, okay, here, you're going to be building this part for this automaker and here's everything that you need. And now, you know, you have a a person that would represent a mock venture capital firm and maybe one of the teachers Mm -hmm. and the student or students need to prepare a report to say, why should I give you a million dollars to start up your company? You know, that would be an incredibly valuable. That's cool resource cool. uh, at the high school level. To, absolutely. Cause when I came out of high school, I had no idea what,
0: was right. Going. You know, I, people coming out of high school, I think there are very few that say, I'm going to grow up to be a venture capitalist. Most right. of them probably don't even know what that is.
1: Right. Right. You know,
0: and that's the kind of cultural shift, sea change we need to get people thinking that way and, and being inspired by the possibility right. of being right. part of that world. Um, uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I love that. Let's talk about, you touched on something earlier, and that's getting transportation off the ground in in terms of whether it be flying taxis or vehicles that, you know, are hybrid, but, you know, get up in the air and move us around. Is there anything really, you know, exciting from a practical standpoint that's going to be a near-term impact? You know, whether it be a company growing up that uh, is going to employ lots and lots of people because they're on the path, or whether it be a company that's going to deliver a product that the consumers in our region and beyond can actually use. Where are we in all that life cycle?
1: Well, the, the so-called... Aerial taxi market, which would either move people or products or emergency vehicles. Those will be ready in the next two or three years. And there'll be very short trips in the beginning to prove out the technology that, you know, you can move parts from one factory to another or deliver a person that, um, you know, has an accident out in the rural area where literally a small plane. Piloted or autopilot? in the beginning it'll be piloted, piloted yeah. but eventually they'll be autopilot especially when you have those dedicated routes that is coming and the technology needs are are going to be huge michigan's in a pretty good spot it it is one of the top 5 states in the country for aerospace parts manufacturing which are very high tolerances and uh, you really really got to know what you're doing but taking that skill set and applying it to the greater industry and looking at the future, and I think the government side should support more of uh, R and D grants for these aerospace companies.
0: When you say aerospace companies, you're you're putting the flying taxis and the, mm-hmm. these vehicles that get off the ground and fly us around for whatever purpose, and 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 as you say, to, for delivery purposes of packages and and other goods too. That's what you're referring to when you say the aerospace. Correct. Yeah. Okay.
1: And so if you're flying into uh, Detroit Metro, you know, it could take you a half hour a little to shuttle. an hour right. a little to, shuttle. to get downtown. Mm-hmm. But if you hopped on a aerial taxi, you could be downtown in seven minutes. More extreme if you're landing at LaGuardia in New York, getting to Manhattan, well, that could take easily an hour.
0: Right, or, traffic. It avoids the, the traffic. Again, issue. seven minutes. Right, right, right.
1: And you land typically on the top of a parking deck that's dedicated as a heliport. And when you land, you either walk to your final destination or there's a ground vehicle to take you to your final destination. The the
0: futuristic science fiction of the Jetsons is upon us, right? It is. We're we're, we're really that close. close. You say a couple of years. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's amazing that we might be walking along a Detroit sidewalk somewhere downtown, looking up and seeing a flying taxi above our heads. Incredible. Going from gas-powered vehicles to electric, while incredibly important, going from the ground to in the air, is a whole other thing. What about companies in the area that are worth mentioning that are contributing to the, uh, whether it be flying taxis or package delivery vehicles, whatever it may be, who's doing what here that are worth mentioning?
1: Well, certainly Detroit Aircraft Corporation and ASX, which is Airspace Experience Technologies. uh, They're based out of uh, City Airport. Uh, Mapping the Skies, if you will, is a company called Airspace Link. And then all the big military defense firms are here. So they, in one fashion or another, are working on different things. And you're seeing the big commercial airlines like Boeing and United taking a particular interest in developing these short-range dedicated aerial taxis. And by the way, all the technology and research that you see in the automotive industry on the batteries really helps out the aerospace industry because you can take those same batteries and use them to power these vehicles so they don't have to go and reinvent these batteries. So off the shelf, so to speak, really is going to be beneficial for the rollout of these aerial taxis, if you will.
0: RJ, it's really interesting, fascinating times, both, you know, uh, for those of us who are consumers who will be benefiting from these technologies, autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles, a flying taxi, a shuttle to the airport in seven minutes instead of a half an hour all things that may impact our lives, but beyond that, the impact on employment here, you know, the impact on the way we view our region and others view our region as they consider coming in and be part of the workforce here, living here, working here, and so on. Mobility is a major force to all of that objective, clearly. And uh, we thank you for joining us today and helping put some perspective on kind of where we are, what's going on, and even a little look at where we might be headed very soon in the near future. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Good to have you on, RJ. Thank you. All right, that wraps up this episode of the Inside Michigan Business podcast. Be sure to subscribe to receive programming notifications and special event announcements by going to InsideMichiganBusiness.com. Follow us on your favorite social media platform and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Thank you for listening.